Ion 2020 episode 228. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Welcome to another week as we lead up to November 2020. We're about a year away, and... Here we are. This is Ion 2020, and that's your source for the news, events, things that go on in the 2020 election. And apparently, I am becoming the source for your news for the impeachment hearings and proceedings as well, which I didn't want to go down that road, but it seems like that's all the news that's going on right now. So I might as well just roll with the punches and take it as it comes, right? Because there's nothing else I can really do. Uh, all the candidates that are running are talking about the impeachment. All the candidates that might run on the Libertarian ticket they're talking about the impeachment. All the people that, I mean, not everyone that's on the libertarian ticket is because they, a lot of libertarians, they kind of stay out of the fray and stuff. But if you look at Twitter, you see some people that are speculated um, that they're going to run like on a libertarian ticket. And they're all talking about the impeachment as well. So uh, that's what I'll have to talk about every so often is the impeachment. And then I'll try to find other stuff as well. Like this week, for example, the debate's coming up. So uh, like I do on every. On every debate week. The debate's actually on Wednesday this week, so that'll be in two days for you. And my Monday show today, I'm putting this one out, and it's not really going to be specifically about debate. I just wanted to bring it up that that's what we're looking at this week. Uh, and then tomorrow's show will most likely be about what I'm probably going to be talking to you guys about is like the candidates. All There's 10 candidates that made it in the debate, just so you guys know. Uh, so I'll talk about five of those candidates. The next day I'll talk about the other five candidates as well. Do a little like a pre-debate show. And then on Thursday, on Wednesday night, I'll actually, after the debate's over, so the debate's from 9 to 11, and after the debate's over with, I'll go ahead and do a recap of the debate from my perspective. I don't really listen to all the idiot pundits and stuff and figure out what they're saying and what their take was on it. You guys get my take on it. And then... That show will be released on Thursday morning at 5 a.m. And then on Friday, I'll probably end up doing a show, like a post-debate wrap-up. And that'll talk about like the pundits and what they're saying and who won the debates and all that. Uh, and what Because really, what the press says is kind of where the public perception goes, if you know what I mean. Because most people, they don't seem like they watch the debate. You might have a couple million people nationwide that'll watch the debate, but you're not going to have a lot of people watching the debate, right? Uh, but the way that the shows end up being, or what, what the way that the public perception ends up being after the debates are over is what they're saying on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC and stuff. Uh, if they really feature Pete Buttigieg then, and say that he won, then most likely that's the perception that people are going to have, and he'll probably get a bump in the polls. Just like Kamala Harris, right? She had a bump in the polls after her first debate performance, because she had a really solid debate performance during that first debate. So all of a sudden she gets boosted up in the polls. And that wasn't be, well, that wasn't because millions upon millions upon millions of people were listening to the debate and were like, holy cow, this is great. She's such a wonderful person. It's probably because they heard on the news, oh, she won the debate and she's, you know, had some really good, a good performance. They probably highlighted a few things that she talked about as well. And at that point, 
the poll numbers start to focus in on her and she starts to get a little bit of a bump in the polls. So that's what will happen with anybody. So on Friday, I'll do that show based up on that, okay? And then from there, the following week, I'm probably going to avoid the debates and I'll probably be talking about the impeachment and all that stuff again. I don't know. The news is so fast and it'll take you where it takes you, right? That's what I have to do is basically go where the news takes me and allow myself to, uh, to follow that, you know, follow the news where it takes me. And, uh, we're going to be going into December and then into the January and February. So that's when you're going to start having the actual primaries and stuff. And you'll start having more debates and everything. And you'll probably start see- seeing people fall off, you know, like for example, um, Beto O'Rourke, even though he qualified for this month's debate, he dropped out of the debate. He he dropped out of the race, even though he qualified because he knew that it was a losing battle. He knew that he wasn't going up in the polls. He knew that he was raising money. And at that point, it's better just get out and maybe he, he's going to throw his support about, uh, you know, behind somebody else that he really likes. So uh, that's interesting. But this today, what I wanted to talk about to you really quickly and really briefly, I'm not going to do too long of a show today is the testimony of Marie Ivanovich uh, last week and what I thought about that because she gave a long testimony on Friday. They did like five, six hours on just questioning her. And the Democrats, what they said is when they have two people up there, they assume that's because they're going only going to have a little bit of testimony from each of those people. So they're going to do the questioning uh, of two people, but when they have one person up there, that's because they expect a lot of new information to come out about that particular person. So that's why they're doing one person on Friday, but then on Wednesday they end up questioning two different people. And one of the thing, I just wanted to give you guys my take on her, and that's what I'll talk about for basically the remainder of the show. Okay, so you guys must think I am absolutely nuts to have actually sat there and listen to the testimonies on Wednesday and on Friday. But the thing is, is for me, I drive around for work most of the day. And a lot of that time I'm driving in between this account and that account, uh, doing different appointments and so forth. So I have tons of time and I got to do a little bit of research for the show. And that's what I do is, you know, you listen to the news, you get, you, you know, hear what they're saying. And then you do shows based upon some of that news. So that's what I was doing with this is I'm just sitting there listening to it on Friday and it was, I don't know, like, so the Democrats think that they had a home run on it. And the only thing that made it a home run for the Democrats on Friday was this. This Maria Yovanovitch lady, she was the ambassador to Ukraine for several years during the Trump administration. She has a long history in multiple administrations, I think 33 years. And for the last couple of years, she had been the ambassador of Ukraine, and that was up until about May of this year, May of 2019. At that time, she was let go by the Trump administration, apparently, what they're trying to say, and I don't know if it's true or not, uh, but they're trying to make the case that she was beat up by Donald Trump in some way, that she was demeaned by Donald Trump, she was demeaned by his administration, and they were trying to get rid of her, and all of a sudden, one day in May, like May 15th, they gave her a call and said, you need to come back home, you're being recalled, and da-da-da. So all of a sudden she's recalled and she goes back to the United States. Then about a month later, they put in a new new ambassador of Ukraine. That's one of the gentlemen that spoke on Wednesday. So she was not even, she was not a part of the conversations that Trump was having 
in July. So the July phone call has really nothing to do with her. I think what the Democrats were trying to do is make a case that says that they pushed her out of the way. The Trump administration pushed her out of the way so they could install their guy. And then that would help them to be able to get this secondary group of people, including Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani, Rick Perry, and a few other people. Uh, They wanted to be able to get them in Ukraine so that they can kind of do some backside foreign policy, which would be getting them to the Ukrainian government to go ahead and uh, investigate Joe Biden. So that seems like the route that the Democrats were trying to go with this. And the thing is, is she was not involved at all in any of the conversations that were going on in Ukraine. The only thing they were trying to make a case of is that she was bullied and pushed out of that position as the ambassador to Ukraine. And then that allowed Trump to install somebody that was more favorable to corruption, maybe. I don't know. But the thing is, is that a new person that they installed, the guy that was that they were um, interviewing on Wednesday, was not really that corrupt at all either, right? So what the Republicans were making the case of is that why would they have this lady get installed or get taken out of the Ukrainian ambassadorship in order to install somebody that was just as hard-nosed as her, that was just as against corruption as her, and so forth. And uh, so they made the case, the Democrats made the case that they were just trying to get rid of her. And even though she had nothing to do with the conversation with this call, the quid pro quo thing that they're talking about, right? So anyway, Republicans get up there, and one of them made a pretty valid case. He said, he said, so you had nothing to do with the July 25th phone call? No. You had nothing to do with the conversations that were going on previous to that? No. And you have no converse, no conversations, or you weren't in on the conversations that were going on after that. Like, you don't have any, you're not witness to anything that was corruption of what the Democrats are calling corruption. And she said no. And then he says, well, then why are you even up here? Why are we even having a conversation with you? You're not even a witness to anything. But the Democrats, the reason they brought it up there was to say that she was bullied by the president and make a case that she was bullied by the president, pushed out, and then they just installed their guy. Um, But then the Republicans came back and says, well, they installed their guy, and that guy was just as much against corruption as as your guy, or as you are, and so forth. Um, And then the other thing, and this is my, my opinion on it, this is what I took away from it, it seems like to me the case is being made by the Republicans that they were getting rid of Yovanovitch because the president, the new president of Ukraine felt like she was still on the side of the previous president of Ukraine and he didn't want to really deal with her too much. So, so, uh, Donald Trump got rid of her because of that. That's, that's my feeling on it. Uh, that's what it seems like to me that was going on. Um, but then all of a sudden, like halfway through the morning, I guess, Donald Trump post something on Twitter and then it was read in during the proceedings and it was basically saying um you know she's a terrible diplomat look what happened during Somalia you know look what's going on there now it's you know pretty much destroyed and then that's what they read to her during the proceedings and it sounded like she was being bullied and the democrats thought that was a win 
a huge win. And the rest of the day was basically about Donald Trump bullying her and stuff. So by Donald Trump doing that, by Donald Trump saying that tweet, it really put the Democrats in a position that maybe they did win the day because of that, even though this lady had really nothing to do with the whole reason why they're going through with the impeachment in the first place. Which I thought was interesting, that Donald Trump kind of shot himself in the foot by doing that. But you know what? He's an idiot, you know? He's always doing stupid stuff like that. He cannot get out of his own way. He can't just shut his mouth and let things go the way that they're supposed to go, the way that they could go. Let people defend you, man, you know, if you want to win, because the Republicans certainly are on your side. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, they're definitely on his side. And he just needs to just shut his mouth sometimes. But he can't help it. He He's one of those people, and that's what they always say about him, he wants to punch, he wants to punch back twice as hard as a person punches him every single time and then never apologize for it or anything. So, yeah, the Democrats seem like they won the day, but I don't think that it came off except for they won the day because he seemed like a Donald Trump seemed like a bit of a jerk. But that's about it. I don't think that they won from the impeachment side of it to say that, hey, this is an impeachable offense. Hey, this is uh, bribery. Like, that's the new th- term that the Democrats have decided to use. Instead of saying quid pro quo, they're saying that Donald Trump bribed the Ukrainian government, and that is an impeachable offense according to the Constitution. So they're using the word bribery, not quid pro quo now. And that actually happened on Friday also, that that was the term that they were using. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I, I really don't... I still, from my observation, I still don't really see too much bribery going on in that sense. Like, I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe if they get Rudy Giuliani to speak, maybe they get Rick Perry to speak, maybe they get some of these insiders to get up there, uh, you'll see, you know, a little bit better case for the Democrats side of it. Because, like, I've always said this, I'm not, I'm like kind of neutral in the middle on this whole impeachment thing, right? Like, to me, I look at it and say, hey, this is a weakness in our system. This is the fact that president has too much power over a lot of financial stuff that's going on across the world. Like the Congress doles out so much money for foreign aid to all these hundreds of countries. And that passes through the president's hands first and then gets doled out through the state department. So the president has way too much power over the purse of money that's going out to these countries. So to me, that is, it implicates the fact that the president has too much power, that the president has too much authority over so much money, that the Congress has delegated so much authority over to a president that they can do stuff like this. Like if they're, if, if millions of dollars is going to Somalia, then they're going to influence the leader of Somalia, whoever they're giving the money to, to do certain things. If money's going to any country, they're going to do stuff like that. So when Donald Trump has the money going to Ukraine for foreign aid, it's very tempting to use that for political gain, isn't it? It really is. And that's the problem, is that we shouldn't be given the foreign aid in the first place. So to me, I'm very neutral on that. I'm neutral on Donald Trump. I didn't vote for the guy. I probably won't, I definitely won't be vote for him in 20, 2020 either. Not that my vote even matters in South Carolina anyway. South Carolina is going to go Republican no matter what, just like Massachusetts is going to go Democrat no matter what. So one person's vote wouldn't matter. And to be honest with you, I think that the two politicians are pretty much 
two sides of the same coin in some way. Like maybe Donald Trump is a little bit less swampy than a Elizabeth Warren or a Cory Booker because they're you know already people in the Senate and they're going to be doing exactly what their party says. Whereas Donald Trump sometimes and a lot of times will go against his party's way. Like he's changed the Republican Party to conform to his way. So maybe that's a good thing. But then again, you know, it's still the two parties. The two parties rule the roost up there. And I want to break down that entire system there and figure out ways to, you know, bring people towards a third party. And that's what that's why I do this show, obviously, is because I want to start working towards, you know, boost up libertarian movement and start to change the way that people think about the government. And that's our, this is our opportunity right now as libertarians is to get out there and say, look at what's going on up there. Why does the president have so much power in the first place to be doling out this money? No one's looking at that. They're looking at it as as just a corrupt system right now. And should we defend the president or should we defend the Democrats? Should we defend impeachment or should we, you know, defend Donald Trump? And like everyone's choosing sides and we shouldn't be choosing sides. We should be as libertarians. We should be out there just, you know, poking holes in the system and letting people see it for what it is. And it's just too much power at the federal level. Too much power. So much money going on into that federal government that all we do is, you know, we're, all we do is, between the two parties right now, is if the, if the Republicans are in power, the Democrats just do everything they can to thwart the president. If the Republicans are in power, that's what they do. Same thing with if there's a Democrat in power, all the Republicans do is vote no against everything that he says. To me, that's a good thing. To me, divided government is a good thing. It's when it gets to the point where you don't have a divided government. That's when you get Obamacare and big changes like that, right? And that's what we, that's, I mean, those are things that we need to defend against. And as libertarians, I think the only thing we could do is start working to change people's perception of government. Change the expectations that people have of their government. That's it. That's all we can do. And if we can do that, if we can let them see it for what it is, that's when we start to win. That's not, and maybe not win in the presidential level, but maybe win a couple of congressional seats, maybe win some Senate seats, maybe get the local governments to start acting, the state governments to start acting, nullifying federal laws and things of that nature. That's how we start to win. But um, this whole impeachment proceeding, man, that's all it is. It's shining a light on the corruption that is Washington, D.C. And that's what we need to be doing, okay? So, but yeah, this Maria Yovanovitch testimony on Friday, the Democrats sort of won the day only because the way that it was presented and then also Donald Trump sitting there uh, doing that stupid tweet at the end or at the beginning of the day that made her go on that put the it basically put the Republicans on the defensive. Whereas I feel like on Wednesday the Republicans are on the offensive. The Democrats at the end of the day were the ones that were defending their positions, whereas the Republicans on Wednesday at the end of the day were the ones that were saying, "Look, see, neither of these people were even in the room when this is. It's all hearsay evidence." And the Democrats need to just shut this thing down now and end it. And let's get back to the people's work. That's what the Republicans were able to say at the end of the day 
on Wednesday, but then on the end of the day on Friday, they were defending. Basically, a lot of them were saying, "Yeah, I don't believe what Donald Trump says to be a good thing," and like they got on the defensive at that point. And that's not a good place for Republicans to be in the first place. So the Democrats were feeling pretty good about it, even though, as the outsider looking in, I don't feel like this lady's testimony was even worth being up there because she had nothing to do with any of that stuff. All she is is just a disgruntled employee that got fired from fired from uh, her position as the ambassador to Ukraine. That's what it seems like to me. That's all she was. And they could have just left it at that. They really could have. Donald Trump didn't even need to say a tweet like that because she wouldn't have gotten anywhere in the first place. But hey guys, I appreciate you joining me each day that you come out listening to the show. Uh, I see the numbers going up, so thank you. Thank you very much for sharing the show. Thank you very much for telling your friends about it. Uh, thank you very much for giving those five-star ratings and reviews that you guys have been doing lately. It's great. And also, I appreciate it if you, uh, if you are a first-time listener and you like what you hear, you want to hear more about the 2020 elections from a libertarian perspective, come on out tomorrow. You can do that by subscribing, okay? Iandtheempire.com if you want to check me out on the internet. Also on Facebook and on Twitter. If you type in I on the Empire, you'll be able to find me there also. And then something else you can do is come on back tomorrow so you can have clear vision for 2020.